Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College presents Liberty Mail with the Student Fellows of Faith and Freedom. Hi everyone and welcome to Liberty Mail with Aaron Jenks. And I'm Libby Krieger. And we are brought to you by the Institute for Faith and Freedom here at Grove City College. And we are currently in the underground studio. We were practicing that one, so I hope you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay, so right getting into it, picking up from last week, we wanted to touch on uh, some anti-mandate vaccine protests happening around the world that we see uh, occurring in cities throughout the, uh, the world and whether it's America and seeing around the world in just different countries. Yeah, to pick off from last week, I know we talked about the New York City uh, anti-vaccine mandate protest. Um, so not only, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to make sure you get all those words in though. Um, not only is this happening in major American cities, be at it that it's a progressive city. So that's great um, that we're seeing that pushback there. But also just across the globe, we're seeing it in France, Australia, Canada, Finland. Um, these are called freedom marches or freedom to choose marches. Um, and I think this is fantastic news for conservatives, seeing that this is not something isolating in America, that people are standing up for freedom. You know, we always think America is this beacon of freedom. But to see other citizens from other countries that maybe are a little more progressive. I think it's it's great news. Um, and they're, they're not anti-vax protests. Just know that because I know the mainstream media is trying to cover them a lot of the times in that light. These are mostly anti-vaccine mandate protests. People who are tired of the mandates and tired of their liberties being um, stepped on. Yeah, I was just going to reiterate that, that when we bring up this topic, we are not saying that, oh, it's a win for liberty because people are protesting against the vaccine. Not at all. It's a win for liberty because people are protesting the mandating mm -hmm. going against their individual liberty. So that is the win in itself that people are exercising this freedom that we love, the First Amendment. Exactly. Thousands across the globe. Um, so it's a really good indication that people are tired of their governments telling them this is, you know, this is a choice of medical freedom. Mm -hmm. um, decide what is best for you and your family um, based on the information that you have and your situation. Um, but also like, something that I think we should note is that finding these stories was extremely hard. Um, I saw something on Twitter about them, and so I went to find an actual source on the Internet. And you had to dig to find most of these stories uh, because or, or if they are there, it's there was an altercation at one of the protests. And so they're they're covering it in the light of anti-vaxxer does this, mm -hmm. anti-vaxxer does that, and trying to frame the story in a very negative light. Yeah, so back in either April or June, there was some news of the protests in France, and mm -hmm. people were sitting outside at restaurants, or sitting outside of restaurants having their own meals mm -hmm. because they needed a... Uh, a passport, the max, oh, yeah. the mandate passport to get into restaurants, get into clubs, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so thousands of people are sitting in the street, no mask, enjoying their freedom, enjoying their life, just having a good old time. And just so life. We, we love to see that across the world. And it, it's so uh, refreshing to see it in the news when we do see it. Mm -hmm. But as you said, like that was back in April. So we haven't seen it since then. And then just now, uh, the other day, I saw the first one since then, mm. and the main reason I saw it was because the police uh, fired their weapons, and I, I, I wish I knew if it was whether actual bullets or if it was rubber bullets, but they fired their weapons, and you see a video of mm -hmm. these people in Australia just sprinting away from the protesting. Yeah, I actually have that story right here. It was in Melbourne, or as the Aussies say it, Melbourne, there you go. and it was 
pepper, fired pepper balls and rubber pellets. Okay. So that, I believe, is what happened there. But even then, th- these are thousands of workers um, who are tired of the draconian lockdowns in Australia. And something should be noted that I believe in, in Sydney, there's only 10 deaths from COVID. Like, this is not something that mm-hmm. is an absolute epidemic that is killing thousands of Australians um, and er, thousands of people in Sydney. And Um, this is why they see it as either tyranny, bureaucracy, whatever you want to call it, that is uh, superficial and just going against their personal liberty mm -hmm. and almost destroying it. They're they're like, okay, give me an argument that makes me want to be like, okay, my liberty should take a side seat to the the public health. Mm -hmm. But almost, okay, 10 one i remember back in the spring it was like one and they they went into their third government lockdown exactly and that's not a good enough argument for people um Mm. to put their personal liberties and just their lives living as normal trying to get back to normal um for for this virus that Mm. is not a good enough reason for people and that's why you're going to see across the globe um people standing up and saying no we're done absolutely and as conservatives we need to stand by these people and and promote their uh, almost courageous acts because mm-hmm. they're getting, <laughs> in some cases like Australia, physical harm mm-hmm. towards them. And no matter wh- where you are on the political spectrum in America, mm-hmm. y- you should be standing by these protests because <laughs> over the past two years, we've seen multiple protests come for about. several different Yeah. And then causes. all through, I know, at least I can speak for millennials or Gen Z people, Coming through uh, high school and the education process, the civil rights era is a huge monumental part of American history that we value and we see as almost a win. Mm -hmm. When we look at America's past sins and we look at the civil rights movement, we go, wow, protesting and what they did, that is awesome. We stand Mm -hmm. by that value. Civil disobedience. Yes. So then when we see this happening across the world and then almost you see leftist, (laughs) you see some progressive or leftist media uh, saying, "Mm, no, this is bad. They're going against public health. You uh, don't care about grandma dot, and that—that's the argument that they use. Yeah, yeah. You have you have personal one-on-one speakers and these shows, and they're like, "My my grandfather just died of COVID." I'm I'm really sorry that your grandfather mm-hmm. just died, but that's let's let's not and I'm, I'm let's not play on people's emotions. Let's mm-hmm. let's use an argument of morals and values, and I'm gonna say, okay, almost as if uh, liberty is the number one value mm-hmm. for our society. It almost seems that you're saying, no, 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 that is not. Well, even if it was like a top five, mm-hmm. you're saying, okay, social health and promoting that health and keeping it almost like absolute, that mm-hmm. is higher than liberty. So where do you want to rank that social health and public safety over liberty? And in my eyes, that can never be higher than well, liberty. Well, because also, is that just for COVID? Or are we doing that for for every single virus or every single... Do with cigarettes. Do with alcohol then if you really want to argue that. But yeah, it's not the, consistent. But the problem is they don't argue that. And that, that is my... <laughs> complaint of whoever's arguing that okay no the liberty can take a, a back seat to this public safety because it's a pandemic mm. only for Dangerous so long water. and only once we at, at first you can understand the 15 days to slow the spread no one knew what was really happening mm. um most of us didn't and we didn't have the information to make those decisions so it maybe it was the prudent decision at those time to wear a mask to have a lockdown for a little bit but now that we're, we're past a year i mean it's I'm glad you said a year because I was going to say like we're in year two of this and we've gone through the man or we've gone through the lockdowns. We, I mean, some people 
still fighting back or mm-hmm. during that year still fought back against it. But the majority of either Americans or around the world were like, okay, we understand that this is a grave danger. We're going to give this liberty up. Mm-hmm. And then almost as it's almost like those small percentage of people that were like, no, we're not going to give up this liberty mm-hmm. no matter what, because we know that it can be it's a slippery slope. abused. Yes. And then we're seeing that almost manifest. Yeah. So bottom line is people across the globe are waking up and they're standing for liberty and freedom. Yep, so that's a win. And always back the protesters, people, always. Unless it turns to violence, but that's not even a protest. Yeah, you can back at least the, the ability to do so, maybe yes. not their cause. but yep. There you go. That's perfect. And then <laughs> it almost seems that uh, when we talk about it, that protesting or supporting that protest can be the almost like a bridge between uh, conservatives, liberals, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to put on either side. And then that can be like, okay, we, this is common ground. We hold this value. This makes us Americans maybe. Mm-hmm. Or at least it used to be. Yeah. And we're going to hold was, on to that. Yeah. First Amendment was so central to, to what liberals, conservatives believed in this country. But mm-hmm. I think you're seeing a little bit falling away from that now. Um, it's more content-based that we're seeing a lot of people, I think. Oh, you're saying like content-based of the protest? Of the protest. That's hmm. where... That's interesting because I was just thinking about, okay, so we've seen the past protests in the year for either uh, BLM or uh, people saying women's rights. And so we've seen those protests. So abortion. Yeah. yeah and then, then we've also seen now protests against uh, mandates, mandates, but then in or the same... lockdowns, yeah. Yeah, lockdowns. So that's an interesting point that you that you raise. I'll be thinking about that. Yeah, let's, we'll think on that. <laughs> <laughs> but then, okay, the the point of bipartisanship almost leads into the, the second segment that mm-hmm. I want to talk about is that Democrats and Republicans are working together right now uh, in the Something legislature. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> are working in the legislator, legislature uh, to bring about, uh, their, they threatened to subpoena, it was uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. And so even the threat, in itself, I feel like is a win for uh, just seeing government play out mm-hmm. how it's supposed to be, getting to the bottom of the Afghan uh, chaos that we've seen over the past month. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good indication that there's at least a mutual recognition that our standing in the world stage still matters and and how our military power and execution of those military plans does play into how we're viewed across the world. And we want to be in a position of power. Yeah, absolutely. Um it is really necessary to get to the bottom of the Afghan breakdown. So whether we've seen our power deteriorate because of this whole mm-hmm. process of the Afghan chaos, what, it's like a week out of uh, pulling out that it just deteriorated? Yeah, probably even less than that. And so getting to the bottom of it, B- Biden aside, our military needs our leaders, we need to have them explain what happened, mm-hmm. get the details of the whole situation. Because what? Did, did Biden get false... Uh, false information, intelligence, yeah, intelligence, bad. Was it just inf- poor planning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we w- should. What happened that led to this? Because they were all, everyone, every report said, okay, it's going to take like eight months to mm-hmm. a year. Before the Taliban comes in. Yeah, before they even think about coming in and regaining control of anywhere. Nevertheless, Cabal, city, capital. Yes. So, <laughs> in a week. So we need to get to the bottom of it. So seeing Republicans and uh, Democrats work together Align to on that. yes, yeah. it, it is refreshing to see in the, in the and media. Something I think we should note, though, about the whole situation is, yes, Bi- President Biden is commander in chief, but also I think it was almost a very tough situation to seamlessly pull out of, um, considering we had been there for twenty years. Twenty years, and Americans did want to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
no matter how you did that, no matter who was commander in chief, probably would have had some some sort of crisis, some sort of falling out. But I think the problem is the severe underestimation of how fast it would fall. Um, mm -hmm. And they didn't have the plans to get Americans out and get translators out um, because I guess they didn't they didn't plan for it to fall that fast. They thought the the army, the Afghan army was better equipped than they were. Um, and also the lack of responsibility when questioned on this, I think President Biden claimed no responsibility for what happened and said he wouldn't have done anything differently. So I think that that is the bigger problem here is that it's that has been super disappointing because it was I think it was Reagan. Uh, catastrophe happened underneath him. And then he was getting questioned, okay, mm -hmm. what happened? He said, I personally didn't know, but I'm going to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. So just to have a, one leader just take responsibility no matter what because you are the commander-in-chief, mm -hmm. that is what the American public needs and wants to see. So, And it almost feels like now when we talk about it in today's context, it's too when you bring up that argument, it might be like viewed as politicized. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking about this for the past month, that we need to almost have a bottom-up approach or bottom-top uh of like interviewing and having these people testify before congress yeah people in the military and then almost as if all this evidence builds up all this uh testimonies build up of people uh stating details of what happened uh reports throughout the years and then finally after we have all of this stuff congress reads through it mm -hmm. okay biden we want you to come in and talk about this we want you to give give your thoughts what happened here hmm. so you're almost saying we should set aside our assumptions of the situation until we know the facts until we investigate and then we can place blame wherever it mm -hmm. may fall yeah in i mean just in my mind it's like a highly regulated due process but in the legislature um i know biden has executive privileges so he couldn't get hauled beneath or hauled into congress or any legislator the senate but as a leader, it almost feels like, okay, after all this happens, like, I'll, I'll come in and talk about this. Well, and that's up to the media to question him. Yeah. And I think, I mean, most Americans don't have a ton of confidence in the mainstream media to hold um, this administration accountable. Mm. So I think that's part of the problem there is that if we want accountability, th that's one of the main parts of the media's job. They are supposed to be asking uh, Press Secretary Saki, Jen Saki, and President Biden, what happened and why, and holding them to that whenever they try to pivot, because mm -hmm. they're good at that. That's their job. They don't want to answer the questions, so they pivot to something that they do want to talk about. Yep. Or they restate the whole whole briefing. Mm -hmm. and exactly. They just evade the question. As I said before, and then go on to say absolutely <laughs> nothing. Yep. And we've seen that with the, I mean, I've seen that in the past three presidents and any, whoever the press conference leader mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that is their job. Yep. But- we but have to we have to hold them accountable as much as we can in the media. There you go. Accountability. That was my last win <laughs> for this situation is that it's a win for liberty because we are seeing accountability manifesting in government. We are or seeing, the illusion of it. <laughs> we are <laughs> There we go again with the optimist pessimist. But but we're really seeing I think at least however small the example is uh the system of uh checks and balances play out for mm -hmm. a win for liberty. And it's what our founding fathers put into the uh, Constitution, put into our government. And they, they knew that at one point you're going to have a certain uh, sector of government uh, taking greed, mm -hmm. pride, whatever it is that makes them go off on their own. And then you're going to need to check them. So yeah. bringing in, hauling in all these generals, hauling in maybe uh, commander in chief, 
eventually yeah. uh, is necessary to get to the bottom of it to hold people accountable. Yeah, definitely a win for conservatives because we are seeing the checks and balances play out. Something that the founders, I think, took into account human nature, knowing that there are other influences. Mm. We're not all just good natured people. I think, I mean, in my view, we're all totally depraved. And, you know, we we have these sins and we have these desires for money or power, or whatever it is. And those do influence our decisions. So um, considering power corrupts, we do need to hold these officials accountable. Mm, I agree. And I, I really hope, I know some of my friends back home listen to this that are a little more leaning liberal. And so I hope they agree that, that this is a win for them too, that they see accountability in government. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they would agree to that. Yeah. And we should, we should be celebrating um, investigation of, of a mishandling of a crisis, um, Mm -hmm. no matter what the administration was. Absolutely. And for us, uh, whether we're millennial or Gen Z in the beginning of that, we've been had this war through what I'm 21 and it's been going on for 20 years. Me as well. Yeah. 21. So we've had this our whole lives pretty much. And to see it just utterly fail Mm -hmm. and the whole breakdown the last 10 years, just, and it is, I'm, it is no way I have a good friend named Will that serves in the army so mm-hmm. it is in no way the military like the, it's not the, the troops, soldiers on the, ground, the soldiers yes. every mission they carried out they succeeded mm-hmm. like virtually almost every i would say like 95 percent. and so when we see this and i like when we make these broad statements that okay this is a military failure i really want to be specific that leadership yeah failure. it is a leadership and failure of failure. generals commander-in-chief whoever that we want to absolutely mm-hmm. yeah but it's it's good to make that distinction Absolutely. To hold the, the officials accountable. Um, but so our last last conservative win of the week, something really important. So the Senate parliamentarian decided to shut down the the bid to put in eight million green cards in the Senate reconciliation three point five trillion dollar spending package. So they were trying to include this as part of the spending deal, but I don't know, Aaron. Does eight million green cards sound like spending policy or immigration policy? Yeah, not whatsoever. So let's just put this in some context. Uh, you called it a spending bill. Uh, CNN called it a uh, economic bill, budget reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I think Fox called it an infrastructure package. So we have all these names being thrown out about what this bill or package is. Yeah. A- and any of these phrases that they use do not <laughs> historically have include immigration yeah. in it that is a whole another process of a bill and it almost seems that they're like trying to sneak this in mm-hmm. like if if the senators came uh forth and they're like okay you see this happening in the news we have in uh texas we have all these thousands of haitian immigrants mm-hmm. sitting under a bridge we want to push legislation through fast and we're not going to make a precedent of it but we're going to do this one time to get this through because we have almost like a uh mm, extreme chaos or I don't, I don't know yeah like want, very specific incident yeah so we're going to get this through but that's not their argument like use that logic and and then you will appeal to me yeah even personally i'm going to push back on you on that i i still don't think that's a, a a very persuasive argument because there's always going to be oh well this instance allows us to to break the law or go around the law yeah. but but what happens once you set that precedent um i don't think that's something that we should allow. And because the process is supposed to be rather slow to have a bill become a law because they don't want it to be based off the political winds of the moment. Um, and they want it to actually be well thought and have to be debated. Uh, one thing that I think maybe I, I think one commentator asserted this, that 
the progressives were trying to put this in the bill to sneak it in, like you said, mm. but to also put Senators Manchin and Cinema, who were the the moderates um, of the Senate, in in a tough position to either vote and push this spending package through or have to debate the immigration based on the immigration policy itself because they're coming from states like Arizona, who's very impacted by this situation at the border, Mm -hmm. and West Virginia, where constituents may be a lot less likely to support 8 million green cards or mass amnesty. So you're almost saying that like they're almost like pivoting because they don't know if they either want to follow uh, the Democratic uh, cohort in this instance or they don't want to go against their constituents? Yeah, I think, well... I think the leadership of the progressives in the Senate perhaps did this intentionally to put the moderates in a tough position. Mm. Because when it comes down to either trying to get the $3.5 trillion, um, along with amnesty or, or without, if they're in a tough position with that, whether to vote with or without, um, I think they're backed in a corner, I guess, is what I'm well, saying. Well, that's, that's super interesting to my, like political science mind uh because it's almost like so the game of politics yeah, and on on conservative side it's a wide tent on the democratic side we've seen in the past couple of years it is also a wide tent mm-hmm. at very times and not everyone agrees with the the uh, ultra progressive mm-hmm. both parties are getting more and more yeah so they're getting split yes. up and and to see it all, almost that game play out where you say where they're trying to pin against each other or make the moderate do something that mm-hmm. they don't want to do it's super interesting. Yeah. And something that I think uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, he was in supporting this um, this bid for the amnesty. He said that we need these illegal aliens to take the jobs because we have a labor shortage. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's a manufactured labor shortage because the government is giving so many handouts that people get more money to stay at home than to work. I mean, that, that's a simple fix is cut benefits at least a little bit to incentivize people getting these jobs. Yeah, whether it's small businesses, uh, corporate businesses, there is a help wanted sign on that window. Everywhere. Everywhere you go. I know we live close to the Grove City outlets. Yeah. And virtually every store has a help wanted. Exactly. I I even work at the outlets and I know that our store has had to cut hours. Um, Basically, there's, there's many stores closing down or just extremely cutting their hours. And I've talked to a few people and their solution is, well, I guess the government needs to up the minimum wage. They need to offer more money or these businesses need to offer more money um, to employees to get them to want to work. But but no, maybe we, if we, we cut the the COVID relief package or whatever that was that mm-hmm. allowed everyone to stay home with so much, um, so many benefits that they would be making more by staying home than working. Yeah. The incentive is, is to stay home. And th- there definitely are. I, I can hear like... My my liberal friends, like there definitely are people who who struggled through this pandemic sure. and they, they needed it. Yeah. But then for how for whatever we want to say one person that that really needs it. I can mm-hmm. think of another person who my friend who, who just did not need who it, did not need it and made what, twenty five thousand. I know he made twenty five thousand dollars sitting crazy. for a year. And I'm <laughs> like and it, I'm working my butt off and paying yeah. uh, loans for school. Mm-hmm. So. I also There's have definitely a, friend. a problem with what we've implemented in this government system of, okay, we need to give a government mm-hmm. handout. And then I know AOC, I believe it was AOC, uh, tweeted that, the, so the deadline's coming up, I think, in a couple of days, uh, and she wanted to extend it another, like, six months. Mm-hmm. And so what I feel like that would do to the economy, like we said, we've seen these people just help wanted, help wanted. And yeah. they even are raising their pay wages 
what they used to be in PA like ten bucks, and now you have Arby's paying fifteen dollars. Yeah, seven twenty-five, I believe, is minimum wage in Pennsylvania. But most places are paying ten to fifteen starting because mm-hmm. they have to um, with these these benefits. And even then, you you get paid more to stay home. Lots of times, I also had a friend who, I think he's nineteen and he's off his parents' um, taxes, so he gets his own um, COVID relief. Yeah. And I was like, "Do you have a job?" And he's like, "No. Wh- why would I?" Why would I get a job? I'm literally making so much money by just doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and he has hobbies. He wants to have fun, do whatever he wants. Yeah. I mean, it's it's human nature. If the government is offering you all this money, I mean, I mean in dangling this in front of you for to do nothing, mm-hmm. sure, most people are going to take that. Yeah. They they can live with it. They're like, oh, I'm not struggling to, to buy food with it. Mm-hmm. And then again, some people are, are yes, they're struggling. Yes. They need it. But then, but a one size fits all does not work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this whole bill that wanted to uh, pass this immigration policy through uh, the Senate, it was the parliamentary, which is a strict rule based, uh, pr- almost like uh, pre, pre, uh, pre debate Senate, on the floor, yeah, yeah. In, in, in introducement. And so there's a, there's a quote by the leader, um, uh, McAdoo, and he says the Democratic plan doesn't meet the strict rules on what can be in a spending bill, calling the plan by any standard abroad a new immigration policy. So it's a new immigration policy in mm-hmm. a spending bill. Yeah, so it's Senate parliamentarian Elizabeth McDonough, I believe. Yeah, is that who you're referring mm-hmm. to? Yeah. Yeah, she also said changing the law to clear the way to LPR status, so that's um, someone who can come in this country, is tremendous and enduring policy changes that dwarf its budgetary impact. So saying the immigration policy aspect of this is much larger, mm. much more substantial than its economic impact. And that is why it cannot be included in this bill. And I think that's a huge win for conservatives as as people who like the rule of law and following um, what the the laws of the country are. See, our, our minds are like, because I was just about to like further explain how this is a win <laughs> for conservative liberty. Hey, I, I want to see that you keep going. Because it, it can definitely get a little vague or like I can just, I can hear again my friends, they're like the constant in my head <laughs> of just like what, this makes no sense. Why is mm-hmm. it a, a win? Well, it's a win because conservative conservatism has authoritative uh, principles in it sometimes mm-hmm. where we, we abide by rule of law and we give away some liberties to have these rules of law in place. Mm-hmm. And so we can't just throw it. We stand by them. We're not just going to throw them out and change it for one instance, uh, like you said earlier. But make that argument but to me, yeah, like this, I said earlier. This right here is standing for the Constitution and standing mm-hmm. for the practices that we've had in place for centuries now um, that you cannot include just anything. It's not You can't shoehorn everything into yep. the package just to get it passed. Um, it's it's a, almost like pork barrel re- legislation, yep. you know, trying to get... You need it to be separate. Yeah, exactly. The, I know um, Senator Omar tweeted out, she said, this ruling by the, the parliamentary is only a recommendation. Hmm. So j- just that. So it's a recommendation first. Trying to bypass. Yeah, there's three parts of this. She said it's a recommendation, and then she pushes for that Senator Schumer in the White House can and should ignore it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And then lastly, we, That's can't, concerning. we can't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do the right thing. So if we break it down to three things, there's one, that the rule of law is only a recommendation. Mm-hmm. Two, that the rule of law should be broke, can and should be broken mm. at, at no consequence. And then three, she's making her moral argument that this is the right cause, mm. which a lot of the times, I mean, I can see in public debate that a conservative will be like, will tie it to Christianity and be like, okay, my faith and values, my moral concerns are why I believe this on this issue. And I believe it to be the right thing. 
and then I hear the the left person say pish posh that doesn't matter it's uh subjective your morals Mm. are subjective we're not going to play that game because I believe that morals are subjective Mm. um they're not objective so when she plays this game it is it's highly hypocritical in my mind oh yeah definitely I I didn't even realize make that connection until you pointed it out but yeah they're they're acting like their set of um, priorities are Mm -hmm. objectively American set of priorities Mm -hmm. and should therefore just trump the the rule of law and the institutional um, rules that we've had. And the, uh, also, this is the Senate parliamentarian is not I don't believe she's a conservative. I don't believe she's she's supposed to be, I believe, a bipartisan actor or nonpartisan actor um, in the situation. So it's not like this conservative came in and, you know, tackled yeah, bombed progressive their, priorities, their bill, anything yeah. like that. Um, I think this is a really good, really good thing to see for conservatives. Yeah, good win for them to at least seeing the rule of law upheld in the Senate and the legislature. Yeah, well, with that, that concludes our conservative wins of the week. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to share with your friends, leave us a review, and visit our website at faithandfreedom.com. We will see you here next week for another episode of Liberty Mail. Thank you. For more information on this podcast or other programs, please visit faithandfreedom.com.